Welcome to Staying Healthy Naturally, a show that focuses on healthy ways to help you achieve optimal wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Gary Krakoff. Um, I have my degree in naturopathic medicine and I'm a pharmacist at Johnson Compounding and Wellness on Main Street in Waltham. And today I'm very happy to have our guest, Michael Lovich from Delta Performance in Newton. And Michael, from what I know about you, you're a chiropractor. And I think most of our listeners understand basic chiropractic. But what I find very interesting, you're a functional neurologist and sports physician. So you seem to have a very specific focus. And there must be also a very interesting journey you've come along that brought you to here. Exactly what is it that you do? So. Like you said, by license, I'm a chiropractor. That means I went through a four-year graduate program after undergraduate to get a doctor of chiropractic degree. But then I did a three-year postgraduate through the Carrick Institute to learn clinical neuroscience. Okay. Uh, what that means is that's why I call myself a chiropractic functional neurologist. Because most of the time when, I hear peop when people hear me talk about, oh, I'm a chiropractor, they think neck, back, spine, how does that work and I'm like oh no no we we do a combination of vestibular rehabilitation we do a combination uh, including uh, visual rehabilitation proprioceptive rehabilitation and sure maybe we'll adjust it if we think there's a structural problem associated but we hyper focus in on the neurological sensory systems first okay so what brought you to so focus I, in that area you have an interesting story that was an excellent question so I actually got a concussion when I was four years old. Okay. I was playing in Brooklyn, New York, and if you've ever been on a playground in Brooklyn, they have these really cushiony black rubber mats that give no cushion at all. And I fell off the slide backwards, hit my head, I've got a scar right here. And then about a year later, magically I was diagnosed with ADHD. About a, six months after that, I had a, uh, I was medicated for it. So when you're trying to think of cause and effect of how did this happen, sure, my family may have a predisposition towards attention deficit type diagnoses, but at the same time, you're like, well, correlated to this was a concussion. But nobody looked at that. Nobody looked at that because- and they probably still aren't looking at that. Probably not, because a lot of the times, if you're like, hey, you're okay, you're fine, and then a year later to tie something together, I mean, in all due respect, that's a lot of time right. to say that event caused this down the road. Right. Exactly. So th that being said, I, so I'm going through school. I've always been like medicated for ADHD supplements, and then I was in graduate school doing 36 credits, and I was like, medication isn't working at this point. Like, there's something else going on. So I start just diving into research and trying to figure out where. Like, how can I improve my brain performance to make sure that I can get through to school appropriately? And while I'm doing this, I was skiing on Mount Hood on a powder day, caught an edge, flipped around, got a concussion again. And so that's I was... That's two. That's two. Uh, significant time in between them, of course. That is still two Two concussions. concussions. And then all this progress that I was making trying to improve my performance just backslid right there. So what I ended up doing was I did more research. I found a guy named Glenn Zielinski out in Portland, Oregon. He, he's an office in Lake Oswego. And I went to him as a patient. I was like, all right, looks like he works with concussions. 
it appears he knows more than every other doctor I've been to. And so, takes my insurance. No risk. So I go in, start working with him about like three weeks later, I'm significantly better, back to where I am. And not only that, he's like teaching me as he's going along through the appointment, like drinking from a, higher, uh, a fire hose kind of thing. And I'm like, oh, you mean like all that stuff we learned in neurology, neuroanatomy, clinical neuroscience, neurophysiology, you mean that's all relevant? I should be looking for those with every patient every day? He's like, yeah, dude. Absolutely. And that makes sense because we are an electrical machine. We have mm -hmm. to get, we get sensory input that has to be processed and then the response goes out. And if you bang the head or scramble things a little bit or injure the brain, that has to have an effect in the processing. 100%. Okay. And so that's when I was like, well, I can't not know this stuff. Back and, to school. <laughs> well, not, not necessarily back to school, because I was already doing the program at that point. But now I'm like, now I know that I'm not going to dabble between sports medicine, which I did a master's in sports medicine to be like, uh, treat at, like athletic injuries, like ankles, knees, wrists, and all that stuff. I decided that I'm going to, that the world of concussion, the world of clinical neuroscience is so deep and big that it's impossible for one person to learn everything about everything. But you can really learn a lot about a few a things that really area. help a lot of people. So at our clinic, Delta S Performance, um, it's a common misconception. You said Delta Performance. Delta S is the important part because Delta S is entropy. Okay. Entropy, for those who don't know, is the idea in thermodynamics that all things go to a state of disorder. Take your health, for, for instance. If you don't put energy into the system, your health will decline. You have right. to make good decisions, not just coast. And so I named the business Delta S Performance because that's the general idea, is that you have to continuously put effort into getting better or else things will get worse. Okay. And you don't have to see somebody for it, you just have to make good decisions in your everyday life. And so when I started this company, I knew that concussions was the, and post-concussion syndrome was where I wanted to focus. Right. So concussions are complex. My favorite image is when you see, like on the, the CDC has a two, and it's not that they're wrong, it's that it's just limited. Uh, the CDC has the picture of here's how the concussion happens. You see the brain and the skull going back and forth or side to side, talking about coup contra coup injury and you see it lighting up on the side of the brain where it seems to happen. But in reality, most of the damage occurs deeper within the brain. Because think of concussion as a sheer stress, as a stretching, as an inflammatory response from some structural damage that can go on chronically. Okay. And so, when you think of the way the concussion, the brain is, here's the brainstem, here's the brain, when it wiggles around in the skull, most of the stresses are going to be right in the in middle. The, in the center. Exactly. The outside is just moving around like this. Not much is really happening out there. Now, all that stuff needs to be checked out because it but could always be worse. But you have that pivot point that really takes the stress. Exactly. And that pivot point that top of the brain, and that midbrain, <clears throat> controls your autonomic systems, controls muscle tone, controls uh, vision, controls auditory, so light, light sensitivity, sound sensitivity. Uh, it is a, it's a, your brainstem itself is a 
regulator for all sensor information coming in, then your thalamus, which receives that sensor information afterwards and relays it to the cortical areas, you can start talking about all these symptoms that we that we measure subjectively, like saying, hey, from zero to six, what do you, how do you feel? Or from zero to 10, how do you feel? You can actually trace it back to a neurological mechanism. And that's okay. sort of what we do with functional neurology. We figure out, based on your symptoms, what areas of the brain are most likely associated. Then we say, how can we use a neurological examination, the same ones that everybody learns in their neurological examinations, the same ones in Blumenfeld, neuroexam.com, but how do you, from understanding where and how that examination actually works, you can then say, okay, okay, it's either working or not working for sure, right. but then beyond that, how well is it working? And if this part of the brain is working a little too high, like it's uncontrolled, or this part of the brain is working a little too low, then you can paint a picture of which circuits are involved, okay. which structures are involved. And you and can then you isolate those. And then you have either techniques or things to do to help balance that. Potentially, yes. Okay. So I guess from the layperson's point of view, we, up until recently, we thought of head injuries and concussions as the multi-million dollar football problem, mm -hmm. you know, with football players. But now we're starting, thank goodness, the public is starting to look at it that they elected to be professional football players. So that's, as long as they have the information before they jump in, everyone should be able to make their own decisions, what they want to do, and the risk and benefit to that. But I think the bigger issue, at least from what I'm seeing with parents and kids, is from the little kids entering, you had an accident at the playground, but even the elementary school and middle school sports on up. Mm -hmm. That's a huge area. And we were talking before we came on the air that I have a lot of clients that come in and as parents and the kids are in their junior year, it's spring, their child just had their second concussion and they're having a little trouble focusing and all that, but they have a very good chance of getting a free ride and the scouts are coming, what can I give them so they can perform for the scouts. And um, that, that seems to be a huge problem now. People, I don't think, really understand. It could be a minor concussion, mm -hmm. but there can be long-term effects and the multiple concussions. And, you know, is that an area you work with? with is it adults or do you work with children through adults? All ages. Great. Uh, so. Yes, a lot of questions in that I one know, question. I know. So I apologize. Let's start with the first one. Uh, first one is, what do you tell a parent who's saying, I, my kid has a concussion, but we want them to play? Or what do you tell an overzealous parent? I say, here are all the risks. Here are all the things. And then at the end of the day, it's their decision. Right. There are people who are a little bit more opinionated, opinionated with that, like Dr. Uh, Chris Nowinski through BU, the CTE uh, yep. research there. Uh, you can follow him in the Concussion Legacy Center and you can see a lot of more strongly opinionated things like we shouldn't have people injuring themselves for, as a spectacle for entertainment. I agree. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to be a hero and try to convince everybody how to live their lives. I'm just going to do my best to be able to provide, to help those people once it happens. So teaching. Teaching people. 
And so what I usually teach people is if you're not dead set on a sport, like I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't let my kids play football. I'd let them play baseball though. Yes, there's risk for concussion, but it's, but it's lower. Um, I work uh, sideline medical for the USA Sevens rugby tournament the past, for this, last year was my third year That's doing it. It's a this. rough sport. It's a rough sport. You're getting concussions left and right, but at the same time they choose to do it. And so I'm here to, I'm here to support them, make sure they're making the best decisions possible within their might not be the best decision. Okay. <laughs> There's well put. plenty of other sports. I mean, you, I play ultimate frisbee. You can always get a concussion doing that, like at any but point. The, but the risk is lower than football. Right. Okay. The risk is always lower than football. We're cheerleading the second highest uh, risk for well, concussions. They're doing crazy things now. Right, they're doing but, aerials. But also, I think a lot of, lot of times we need to get more information out. A lot of parents of young kids, they fall. Mm-hmm. You fell. And right. you could have broken your neck or your back. We're in Boston. Ice yeah. is a thing in the winter. <laughs> yeah, but these simple, not simple falls, but minor bangs and bruises could be a minor concussion. Right. What are some of the symptoms people should be looking for? So to think about concussion, let's first define what is the spectrum. Yeah. So concussion, mild traumatic brain injury, moderate tra traumatic brain injury, severe traumatic brain injury, and all of the bleeds and everything that can happen in between there from an emergency medicine standpoint. Okay. Back to mild traumatic brain injury or concussion, you can have subconcussive trauma. Little by little, subconcussive trauma over time will have the same results. We're talking about more of a chronic injury. So think of somebody who, let's go with a def defensive lineman in football. You could make the argument that every single play, when they collide, they may be having subconcussive trauma. And what is that creating? A concussion on a low level. So it's not like all of a sudden you reach a threshold and now it's bad. It's you're creating damage, but you haven't reached the symptomatic point. But over but time... the damage is there. Yeah. I mean, I have a hunch that CTE itself may just be long-term concussion damage over and over, like repetitive micro-trauma, like scratching an itch over eventually and over. destroy the skin. Yeah, eventually you're gonna have a wound there. Yeah. And so... So it isn't, just hold that thought, so if you slip and fall and bang your head, you have a headache, you might be a little dizzy, mm -hmm. when the symptom goes away, the dizziness is gone, or the headache is gone, that doesn't mean the brain is back to zero. Back 100%. where it started. That is true. Okay. And from a symptomatic standpoint, and this is something that's a little hard to say, but think about it like this. Your brain receives information, and this is how I usually educate it to my patients, is so your brain is there to receive information, receive sensory information from your eyes to tell you where the world is, from your inner ear to tell you where you are in relation to gravity, from your muscles and joints where, to tell you where you are in space, and from a variety of other senses as well. Your brain then takes that information, integrates it, figures out what it means, and then you have your motor and your psychological response coming out. Let's say the brain is damaged, that, but the sensory information is still the same. Your sensory experience, your understanding your processing your processing of that sensory experience may not be what is actually happening so this could be an issue with a lot of the kids that are now 
diagnosed in the spectrum. Mm -hmm. It it may not be they need uh, they have a lack of a certain medication. It may not be that even the neurotransmitters are out of balance. It could be the body is trying to get a signal through and mm -hmm. it's not being received or transmitted properly. Right. What makes neurotransmitters? Different tissues. Depending on how fast the frequency of firing is, the neuron re may release a different neurotransmitter. Yep. So I like to focus on the structures and I like to focus on the circuits as a whole, not just the messenger. Okay. Um, follow the money. The money doesn't do the bad thing. The person who directs the money, the money does. Yeah. So the way I like to do it is do a, do a good exam. Do a good full neurological exam. If you're dealing with a brain injury, make sure you see somebody who can do that. And also understand how the rehabilitation of that is supposed to look. Uh, we see a lot of people and we're usually like Dr. 19 or Dr. 20 because they've seen everybody. And I chuckle. Well, they're usually just treating symptoms. Right. Not, all right. So I guess my next question would be, I've been to chiropractors for, mm -hmm. I'm a little more mature, and so you do have misalignments mm -hmm. or minor injuries. What would, what's a, a visit with you like? What would someone experience walking into your office? How? So our first visit is actually 90 minutes. We do a full neurological examination a bedside neurological examination. We do a structural evaluation if that's indicated. And we do, we check vitals, we're checking the autonomic nervous system, we're checking vestibulo-ocular reflexes, we're checking a whole host of different reflexes that are inside out, that are uh, subcortical, deeper brain structures that your body's supposed to have to keep you reacting appropriately to the world around you without your frontal lobe having to come in and say, I need to think my way through every single thing that happens. Okay. Um, which is why a top-down approach, like mind-body medicine, can be effective, but also this bottom-up approach is also needed for depending on where the damage is. And as we already covered, in the concussion, more of the damage happens deeper than outside. Okay. So, we see people for 90 minutes to start and then follow-ups are about a half hour. Okay. Um, the, the reason why we do this is because there's something that always, we're always looking for. So imagine you had a hundred neurons that's designed to do something like lift my arm like this. Okay. And in the concussion you lost 15% of those. So you're at 85% capacity. You're at 85 neurons. If your thought process still thinks the same way, still drives with the same amount of energy, or you try to do the same amount of work you're at 85% capacity. The lactic acid pathway, like in your muscles, as if you went too far and you start building lactic acid, right. it's not very efficient in the brain. So, those neurons don't do too well. So one thing that we're always mindful of is your metabolic fatigue factor. And you'll see that with patients too. You'll see, like, they'll be walking around and they'll be like, you know what, I'm just tired all the time. Or I just, can't quite get there, but then they try to work out more, they try to get back to something, and they're like, I can't handle it. And it might not be because that they, have, they now just magically have chronic fatigue syndrome. It could be that on a pathophysiological level, those cells just can't handle the input that they're trying to do, but they're not modulating that input to a sustainable rate and then building their endurance back up. So then what is 
the help the person can get if they're at 85 percent is it just teaching them you can only do 85 percent mm -hmm. and teaching them how to realize what that 85 percent is well there's a researcher out in buffalo new york john letty he designed and created the buffalo concussion treadmill test or the, the bike version of it that we sometimes use and the whole idea behind it is you're supposed to exercise people in a aerobically sub-threshold, so sub-symptomatic threshold. figuring out where their new threshold is. Right. But that's more of a global approach. So if you take somebody, and I'm not going to say that that's wrong. That is 100% right. And if people are trying to figure this out on their own or they can't see somebody near them, uh, for example, there's only like 800 people worldwide who do functional neurology, and 300 of them only do about full time. So if you can't get to somebody like us who can do more in-depth exercises, that's a way you can modulate your input. Just do some light cardio, sub-threshold, and just keep trying to push it little by little, another minute, another half a minute. Okay. But for what we if do you is... can get to someone. Then we have the luxury of being able to visual, visually see you and measure things as we're going. We can measure neuron, neuronal fatigue, changes in pupils, changes in autonomic function. So you can help them exercise and learn how to do it more efficiently in or we'll probably be doing less the, time. Or we'll be doing the exercises with them. Okay. Where we'll be saying, okay, we're gonna start with some visual exercises, have you look at a thumb, and we're gonna be doing certain patterns that have been shown in the literature to activate specific parts of the brain. But then all of a sudden we see one pupil start to get bigger, then we can say, close your Thanks eyes, time. stop, before they become symptomatic. So you bet you really, and I don't know if I'm overstepping here, you're really figuring out which parts of the brain need to be worked. Yeah, and one of my patient's parents referred to our examination as a bedside MRI. Okay, <laughs> so you work with adults or kids through adults? All ages, okay. uh, it's a little bit easier working with adults just because of they're a little more they have a little more buy-in than the kids coming and be like, I don't want to be here. <laughs> okay. Um, so my next question is, since there's only a limited number of you around mm -hmm. in the world, and in our area, we're lucky you're here right in Newton Center. Mm -hmm. um, you, you had told me you're, you feel your you're way you can help, and my mentor that got me involved in what I'm doing he said as much as he wants to see patients 80 hours a day, mm -hmm. his better way would be to find some quality people. And if he can give his knowledge to 20 more practitioners, they can then help 20 times as many patients. Right. And so you're an educator in your office. You have people in place, and I think you have more than one office in the area, mm -hmm. but you're gonna be going around spreading the word. So to speak. So uh, it sounds a little religious the way you say that. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't mean it that way. No, but uh, what we so well, that's one of the things I learned early on when I was started seeing patients. I'm limited by the number of people I can have face-to-face -face time with. Right. And yes, while I have had some success using a digital format like Skype and Skype with people, we just need more people who are willing to learn this vast quantity of information that's not easy to learn. And so. I recently decided to open up a second office in Denver, Colorado, and we have... Lousy place to I be. I know, there's terrible there. nature, it's <laughs> awful. 
Uh, no ticks at high elevation, right? Weird. But there's but uh, Dr. Janine Crafasi is taking over all the patient care for uh, Newton Center, where we're I think we're there Tuesday, Thursday right now. We're Mondays and a couple Fridays in Cohasset at the Lyme and Pan's Treatment Center. We're potentially okay. looking for more space down in the Providence area. So that way we can be more available to people who have like dizziness and vertigo, who can't travel very far. And so we're working, so Dr. Grafasi, fully capable, is going to be treating the patients in the Boston area. I'll be in Denver and potentially speaking with people in a couple other major cities to open up more right. so that way we can provide Excellent. this service to more people. Excellent. So I just got notified. I can't believe the 30 minutes are almost up. So I guess as a recap, if any adults ha are, have suffered from, doesn't have to be, I fell yesterday. This mm -hmm. could have been a concussion from a while ago, or as you said, it built up to a point where now they're symptomatic. Um, whether it be for their child or for themselves, if they have questions, because we probably could have talked for 10 hours mm -hmm. and just scraped the surface. If someone has a question about concussions, how it might be treated in a different way, how can they get more information from you? Well, we could probably do a whole other segment just on people's questions. Yeah. But uh, Maybe, hopefully we will. I'd be happy to. Okay. But how can basically a, the uh, best way to do it is to go to our website, deltasperformance.com. Okay. And the way it's designed is you just scroll, you, you can see which clinic it is, you scroll to the bottom and you'll be able to fill out a question. You can just ask us a question. I'd rather people ask us questions and just say, I heard this about concussions. You'll see me on Quora too, answering questions about brain and neurophysiology and concussions because there's a lot of misinformation out there. That's and there's great. a lot of people who say they treat concussions, but there's a difference between treating concussions and Symptom. being concussion literate versus yes I've had good results with a person who was diagnosed with a concussion doing the treatments that I'd like to do in my office. Okay so the website again to ask a question? com, or if you're in the Boston area send emails to boston at deltasperformance okay. or if you're in the Denver area front range at deltasperformance.com. Okay well this has been wonderful and I am going to take you up on it. I think maybe we'll do another segment of just mm -hmm. questions and answers you've received on concussions sure. because this is, I guess it's always been there, the problem, but now it's getting out in the news and people are realizing there's a huge problem mm -hmm. with these chronic brain injuries that are, and thank you for bringing it up, it's cumulative. It's not just, I've had two concussions. Right. It's a cumulative thing. So thank you. I'm sure our listeners will be able to really use this information. And I'm glad you were here. This is great information. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Really You're appreciate welcome. it. All right. <laughs>